0: Heritage Park Baptist Church. We make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Amen to that. Okay, so the book of Acts, uh, we're at the end of chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides of the tech booth. Feel free to go borrow one or keep it if you need to keep it. That's fine with us. We'll buy more Bibles. Uh, If you're a user of the Bible app, you can open it up and find our live event uh, via the uh, uh, either our location, geogra- uh, geography stuff, or via one of our social media sites. So um, in the book of Acts chapter 15, so just to catch us up, Acts the first good portion of Acts 15 was called the, the Council at Jerusalem or the Church Council at Jerusalem. Uh, there had been a pretty good row in within the church about whether or not you had to become a Jew first in order to become a Christian, whether you needed to be physically circumcised in order to uh, then uh, be, you know, kind of spirit experience this kind of spiritual um, setting apart um, for God. And they, they were very clear on that, no, we're not going to um, add to the gospel. We're not going to take away from the gospel. Instead, we're just going to continue to preach the gospel and live with one another in a way that makes sense. And so that's kind of the context in which we see Acts chapter 15. Now, in fact, uh, we're in this uh, section here in 15 and 16 where um, the kind of the umbrella is the church versus. And really, uh, today is about the church versus our own humanity. Uh, that's kind of where we are. Uh, another additional title um, as i dug into it this week another additional title would be something like this uh, three lessons that i didn't expect to come our way that's, that's that's how this shook out and you'll see what i mean in just a second in acts chapter 15 verse 36 and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, uh, Let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Okay, so pause there. Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas, excuse me, 13 and 14. Paul and Barnabas have gone. They've um, uh, uh, gone on the, the, uh, to the island of Sicily there. Um, and, uh, and then up through uh, Turkey and all of that, I mean, they've kind of made the rounds. And, uh, and so they are, it's not Sicily, Cyprus. I knew that wasn't right. I was like, that's not correct. That's the wrong wrong island in the Med. Um, they went to Cyprus and then up through kind of southern Turkey. And now Paul's saying, hey, let's go back and do this again, okay? That's right here, Paul and Barnabas, Batman and Robin there, and um, they're going to get after it. Uh, and then verse 37. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. This is his little cousin. Um, became the author of the book of Mark. Uh, a kind of a protege of Peter eventually. Verse 38. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia. And had not gone on with them to the work. So let's talk for just a second about this. Why did Mark bail? Why did he jump ship? In Acts chapter 13, uh, about verse 14 or so, we see that uh, Paul and Barnabas, they take off and they move on. They're moving towards uh, preaching the gospel in all of these cities. Mark goes, I'll catch up with y'all, and takes off to Jerusalem. Okay, so that's kind of that's kind of the setting, and so now Barnabas saying, "Hey, let's do this," and uh, Paul's like, "Eh." "So why did Mark bail?" There's four kind of working theories. Um, Just I don't know if any of these have more. Uh, One has more kind of weight than the other. Uh, Honestly, there's probably a combination of all of these. As in us, it's a little more complicated than just an outline could could say. But uh, here's here's one of the theories. Um, He did not have the fortitude. He lacked the fortitude to move forward. I mean, it was hard. It was a difficult thing. Um, And he lacked the fortitude to move forward. Uh, Some of you have experienced this before. You step out thinking, okay, I'm going to go do this. And you figure out, good night, I don't think I can do this. Um, when I was um, in college ministry several, several years ago, uh, uh, we sent a, um, a set of teams down to Ecuador uh, to minister there in this really, really poor village, and they were doing all sorts of things. Um, one of the guys who went um, uh, was was young. We vetted him, th- went through the whole process, trained him, all of that kind of stuff, seemed like he was good to go. He was going to be young, but he was going to be a, a great add to the team, and um, Uh, He got down there and he started struggling. I flew down to Ecuador to check on things, um, came back. He came back a couple of weeks later. And when he did, man, it was crash city. Um, The semester uh, at Baylor started shortly after he got back. He spent like the first six or eight weeks basically in his dorm room. He just didn't have the fortitude that it took and it messed him up. there, there There wasn't the kind of stuff inside and that's not necessarily a a knock against him he's doing great he's a a, a minister here Uh, he has about 12 kids or something there's a lot of them and I mean he's fine okay so he's all fine but but I mean that was a moment where it just was revealed that he just didn't have what it took in that moment And that may have been the case for Mark. Uh, It may have been the case uh, that he kind of lacked a maturity to sustain or to fulfill the calling that was on them and to be a part of this team. It's not a matter of strength, but a matter of maturity. I don't, I don't have the maturity that it takes uh, to do this. Some of you have been in situations like this before or seen situations like this before where a person's calling um, outpaces their maturity, and again, they end up in a pretty bad spot. I'll tell you uh, a quick story. Um, uh, when I Again, when I was in college, um, part of a traveling team uh, that was ministering the gospel all over uh, the southeast part, we would host sports camps and, and do this. And uh, the pastor of that team um, got crossways with the leader of that team and said some things and did some things and was smart aleck in some ways that should not have been. And so uh, there was an 11... Yeah, an 11-week run. Uh, Week 10, the director of the camp flies in and goes, hey, you, you, and you, including the pastor, "Um, y'all are done for the summer. Thanks so much for your service. Please go home. Now, in normal life, you would call that getting what? Fired. That's exactly right. In ministry life, it's something like, you've fulfilled your assignment or something like that. (laughs) So, you just... He the maturity to do that. Now, again, that person learned a lot, seemed okay. He's currently pastoring Heritage Park. And <laughs> this guy. It was a real gift. It's the only job I've ever been fired from. It was a real gift because... Uh, you need some humility and on occasion some humiliation, I think. I needed some um, to mature. That could have been Mark's problem. It could have been Mark's problem because he's, he's the cousin of Barnabas, um, a lack of perspective that he didn't like Paul getting notoriety. So early part of Acts, you see Barnabas helping Paul. He's going to go get him from Tarsus. He's going to um, uh, you know, help him. and He's going to represent him to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem and on and on and on and on. And on. Um, then you see them kind of commissioning out and you have Barnabas and Paul went here. Barnabas and Paul went here. Barnabas and Paul went here. It turns in, 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 at the end of 13 and the beginning of 14 to kind of Paul and his company. So you had Barnabas and Paul and now it's Paul and some other people who are with him. It could be that that uh, Mark didn't like that kind of notoriety. Now, I know nobody in here has ever been jealous of somebody else's success, right? Okay, so yeah, I know that you wouldn't understand, but maybe um, that is one of the things. Or, and, and I think um, th- this has as much... Uh, This probably can make as good of a case here uh, as can be made from the text itself. Although, again, I think it probably, all four of these things play in to some degree. Uh, Mark, when he had the opportunity, he stepped back instead of leaned in. What do I mean by that? Where um, things went sideways for Mark was in the middle of Acts chapter 13. And what was happening at the time, Paul and Barnabas uh, were witness, witnessing uh, uh, to the proconsul. Excuse me. And there was a magician there. He was named Bar-Jesus. Um, and um, it, went, it went crazy. They're, they're witnessing to the proconsul. Uh, the magician's like, oh, no, no, don't believe this stuff. Paul said, you are the son of the devil. And God is going to strike you blind because of this. And he went blind. Now, If I stood up here and I looked at maybe one of you and said, you are the son of, and then God's going to strike and you went blind, there would be a tendency in some, maybe a temptation to some to go, oh man, I'm going to get some coffee. I'll be back in a little bit to step back. Instead of leaning in, how many of you have been at a place where the God who we say reigns over everything and that we cannot control does something that we do not expect and our tendency is to go, anybody, where we would have the tendency, the temptation to lean back, to step back instead of leaning in going, God, I don't understand this all. This is obviously from you, but man, I don't like it and I don't understand it. I get it that you're in control, but uh, this is messing me up. I think that, as much as anything, may be one of the reasons that Mark um, jumped uh, ship, that he bailed out. And again, I say that to say this to all of us. Uh, it could be any of these four reasons. And if God's got you in a space, in a place where he's using you or something, um, maybe maybe you feel like you lack the fortitude. Trust God for that. Maybe you feel like you lack the maturity. Ask God to, to bring you through that. Maybe um, you're beginning to feel jealous of somebody else rising up. Listen, God appoints the ones who are up and who are down. Don't worry about that. Maybe, though, and this is the one I think that is most important for us, because it seems like, just pastorally speaking, seems like God has us as a church in a really great spot right now. And he's doing some pretty great things. And what I want to do in, uh, for, for us, and I as a pastor, and for us as a church, I don't want to sit down and get comfortable, and I certainly don't want to step back, man. I want to go, okay, God, what do you got for us now? What's next for us? Where do, we, where do we need to lean in a little bit? And so that, that leads me to this lesson. Again, these are three things that I didn't really see coming from the text. I thought I was going to preach something else entirely, and the way it shook out, it was just not that way. Here's the lesson I just don't want you to miss. You never know what consequences um, your actions will have. Mark left. And there's fallout. Years later. From, from all the things that he did. You never know what consequences your actions will have. And people say, oh, this is just between me and God. It's never just between you and God, ever. Sin has that way of kind of sticking its tentacles all over the place. Um, a, a lack of trust in God shows up, not just in your spiritual life, but in other places, too. So, you never know what consequences your actions will have. Therefore, so be obedient and trust God with the outcome. God, this is hard. I'm just going to trust you. God, this is difficult. I think I'll just, God, it feels like this is way too much for me. But I'm going to trust you. And if it crushes me, okay. Just be obedient. Trust God for the outcome second section or question why why did Paul and Barnabas split that was why Mark bailed look at verse now 39 and and there arose a sharp disagreement now if you're a writer in your Bible maybe you could just underline that and say I don't think I've probably ever had a fight this bad you could say that because the way that the Greek lays out there it was it was it was rough It was rough there. It was a sharp disagreement. There arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. So now Batman and Robin are no longer, right? It is, I mean, the the Wonder Twins do not have the power to activate. They have gone their separate ways. Um, uh, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus but Paul chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord and he went through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches why why did Paul and Barnabas? why did they split I'll just give you some thoughts here um, about why they went this way there, there were personnel differences meaning what um uh, They were concerned, obviously, with Mark and the way Paul framed it. It was desertion. And Paul's like, look, man, I'm not going to be the guy who takes this kid with us. No, this is not going to be us. We've got to the work is too important. If you bail out or if you flunk out or if you fail, bailing or failing, either one, you're not qualified to kind of stick with us here. You're going to get off the bus in Jim Collins language. You're not in the right seat on the bus. You're getting off the bus. That's what we're doing. All right. So that's kind of there was just personnel differences. Um, Barnabas was inclined. He towards second chances. Do you remember from Acts chapter four what Barnabas' name meant? The son of encouragement. He's inclined towards second chances. Paul, hard charging, visionary, type A plus. Clear the way. I'm coming through. Not inclined towards second chances. And the way that they were viewing this personnel issue was different. Secondly, there were personality differences. Again, because Barnabas was the son of encouragement, Paul, the son of a, you know, I don't know, a rocket or something. He was just going all the time. Um, Paul was hard-charging. Um, uh, <laughs> If, if Barnabas, maybe I'll say it this way, if Barnabas was the guy who's like, hey, you know, God, God is the God of second chances. Paul is the guy quoting Jesus going, yeah, but if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. Now, are both of those things true? Absolutely they're true. And here they are being applied to a situation from two different perspectives from two different personalities. There were personality differences. These are human traits in them. There's nothing wrong with that, nothing inherently sinful about that. It was um, somehow built into their wiring. It was somehow built into their stories. Think about it. Paul, as a convert later in life, is like, I've seen the light, people. If you can't see it, I don't know what your issue is. Let's go. He's off. Barnabas is like, hey, man, I've been walking with you for a while. Let's, let's, Let's walk, though. Let's walk. Turn the engines down just a touch. Get it out of overdrive, and let's put it in a place where we can lead some people. Oh, no, we're going for it, man. We're going for it. Um, Paul would look at uh, Barnabas and say, uh, uh, you know, uh, or or Barnabas would look at at Paul maybe and say something like, Look, man, everybody deserves second chances. You know, God gave you a second chance. Paul's like, Yeah, but I didn't turn my back. I I didn't walk away. Paul's looking at Barnabas, go, hey, you know, this is too important. Do you really think he deserves a second chance? And Barnabas kind of pulls his glasses down and goes, you of all people, huh? You of all people. And so there's, this, there's just a personality difference. And finally, this, this idea of this spiritual division between these two, there were two people who were unwilling to compromise on what they believed was right and best. This is how we get denominations. This is how we get all of these other things. They're just unwilling to compromise on what they believe is right and best. And so um, after this major point of unity and clarity in Acts chapter 15, um, the two people at the center of that controversy, Paul and Barnabas, end up um, going different ways. I just want to point out it, the, the way that Luke records this in Acts 15, it doesn't lay blame anywhere. It's not saying Barnabas sinned, Paul sinned, Barnabas was too soft, Paul was too hard-headed. Luke's just saying, hey, this is what happened. There was a sharp disagreement. So, this, I think, is the lesson. Um, When when there is no sin to confront, just commit whatever situation you're facing to God and trust him. I say that because... um, we live in this kind of reactionary age where we feel like, or I should say, the culture feels like everything has to be responded to at level 10, right? Like DEFCON 1, let's blow the place up. There are times when that, that kind of response is called for. Again, story from um, the history of the church that I grew up in. Uh, the, the church was gathering Sunday morning. There were some ruffians who had passed out after night at the bar and gotten up and had come to the church and were protesting that the preacher was preaching against the bars. They started throwing rocks through the window at First Baptist Huntsville. Um, an older guy gets up, walks out with his cane down the aisle. Pastor, I've got this. Walks down the aisle. A couple of guys are like, let's see what happens. We'll be his wingman. They walk out with him. He walks down the steps, you hear a little bit of noise, and then you don't hear anything. Door opens up, older guy with the cane walks back in, his two wingmen come back in, sits back down. The reverend looks down and says, thank you, General Houston. Sam Houston had handled the situation. (laughs) There are moments when you need somebody to stand up and do that. Those moments are pretty few and far between, though. Not everything has to be responded to at this kind of intensity that, that our culture says, were well, you going to say? No, you don't. In fact, um, the, the, the proverb says, you know, if you quit whispering about it, the fire goes out. Where, where there's no sin to confront, there's no sin here. We just commit it to God. And I, I, I wrote out a prayer that may sound something like this. And, and you just see if this makes sense to you. Hey, God, here's what happened. And we're not smart enough to know what to do. We don't see any sin and we don't sense any sin. So we commit this to you and ask in our weakness and in our hurt, because now we've got division, it's true, in our weakness and in our hurt, that you do what's best here. That, that to me is what this would sound like. God, we don't sense any sin. And so I'm just, and I'm not smart enough to figure it out. So I'm just asking that you do what is best here. And one of the things that God did, a- as the division happened, one of the things that God did, instead of one mission team going out to strengthen the churches, what do you have? What do you have? And in this case, two is better than one, Probably. And so you, you see God change the trajectory of the church as, as Barnabas takes Mark and, and, and moves on to Cyprus and Paul goes up kind of the land route uh, through, <clears throat> through Asia um, and, and into Turkey. Um, there's, there's two instead of one. So there's now double the ministry happening. La- last thing. As Paul and, and, and Silas... Silas was one of the guys who reported from Jerusalem what had happened. As Paul and Silas get going, this is chapter 16, verse 1. Paul also came to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Um, So that would make him a Jewish man. If you had a Jewish parent, you were a Jewish person. Um, uh, He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. And there's Paul's right there. How How did Timothy get ready for ministry? Uh, first thing, this is this is in a different place in, this, in the uh, Bible. It's in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. There's a couple of verses in 2 Timothy I want to look at. Um, but first, he, he was founded in the scriptures. He was trained, if you will, in the scriptures. This is how Paul writes to him in 2 Timothy 3 verse 14 and 15. Listen to this. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Not start, continue. Knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, uh, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So he was trained in the scriptures. How did Timothy get ready for ministry? How did he get ready to take the next step? He spent time in the Bible. Church family, can I just say, if we're going to be a people who lean in and don't step back, who move forward and say, hey, God, what's next for us? Rather than kind of go, hey, thanks so much. This is pretty good right here. I think I'll just kind of settle in. If we're going to be a people, let's be people who draw our strength from being in the Bible. Let's open up the Bible. Let's use our apps that are on our phone. And let's, let's, let's be trained by them. Let's know the stories. Let, let's, let's live in them. And let's let them live in us. Trained in the scriptures. Second part is in chapter 1. He had had mentors along the way. And in in, in this case, it was his family, um, chapter 1, verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. So he was trained in the scriptures, and he had faith-filled models people who were ahead of him in life and were walking in a way that he would say, I see how they're living, that's who I want to be like. Now, not everybody in here is of the age that you've got a lot of folks behind you following. There are plenty in here, uh, in this service uniquely, who have enough age, who have enough tread worn off of your tires, that you've got people behind you You're not done with ministry. You're not out of the spiritual race. There are folks behind you, generations, plural, behind you, looking, going, who can I follow? Who is a faith-filled model? Who is an example for me that I can do that? In Timothy's case, it was his grandmother first, and then his mother, and then Timothy. He saw it in these generations of women who were above him who were walking with Jesus and doing the things that they were supposed to be doing, living a life of faith. And so I just say to everybody in here who's, again, you got a few miles on your tires here. The white wall has rubbed off, so to speak. You're not done. We as a church need you. Next service, there's going to be rows right here of teenagers who may not have a dad in their home, and they need some dads and granddads to look up to. That's how Timothy got ready. He had people to follow. And finally... He actually lived a godly life. And this is the part where personal responsibility just kind of kicks in. This is back in Acts chapter 16, verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So he had lived a godly life. And then Paul steps into his world and says, man, let's go do some ministry. He says, yes, yes, and yes. I'm all for that. And so what, what then is the... Uh, the next step that he had to take. He, as an adult male, um, had to be circumcised as a Jew so that he could do ministry among Jews. And you think to yourself, didn't we just have a big fight about circumcision in Acts chapter 15? Like, why? He's not saying you have to do this in order to be saved. He's saying, listen, if you're going to minister to Jews, this is a step you've got to take. And this is the lesson that I want to just say and it, it not be weird here we go you ready sometimes the mission of the gospel requires us to sacrifice at a new level sometimes the mission that god has called us to requires us to sacrifice at a new level and so here's one of the questions or the question that i want to leave us with and think about as we move move forward well, it, instead of us focusing on our rights and our comfort oh man our comfort and our control that is our right we follow church the one who left comfort and who surrendered control in order to make us his own right I mean let's let's put that on the table but instead of that what what if we ask this question instead what will it take for me to be ready what will it take for me to be ready if there's a, a different level, a new level even of sacrifice that I have to make, what will it take for me to be ready? What step do you need to take right this moment? What what, what thing do you need to do this week so that um, when the call comes, your yes is ready? Do you have a passport? It's hard to go on a mission trip without... Pastor, do you have one are you physically in shape to do the things that you need to do are you financially in shape are you relationally in shape are you if the call came could you pick it up and go yeah i'm ready i'm good let's go is your is your life rooted in the word do you have people that you've modeled your life after and are you living that life and then what Is there another thing that you need to take? Is there a step, a sacrifice that you need to make in order to be ready when God calls? What will it take for us to be ready? I I think God's got some incredible things out ahead of us. I want to be ready. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for a few minutes here in your word. And um, Lord, as as much as, uh, as much as we can um, respond now and, and, and believe now, as much as even we can take action now, I pray that we would do that. Some of us, we need to, God, we need to write it down so that we don't forget it or set a reminder on our phone or whatever. Hey, I need to do this. Some of us need to plan a conversation. Some of us need to do any number of things to respond, to be ready. I ask, Father, that as um, this day and this week unfolds, that we would be taking those steps. You're worthy of that. And it's not as if we're going to go alone. Your promises to us are yes and amen. We are children of God. And so I pray now, Father, speak by your Spirit. Let us know how we're supposed to move. Let us know how we're supposed to respond, repent, pray, give, whatever we need to do. Speak to you people, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody say Amen. Let's stand together.